If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Give honor to the Havens family as well. My first time being introduced to them, but I want them to know that my family loves missionaries. That's not just something that I say. We, we love missionaries. Matter of fact, if the Lord would let me be one globally, I probably would. Jeremiah chapter 6. We're going to read from chapter 6 and also we'll read one verse from chapter 35 if you want to go ahead and prepare that. Jeremiah chapter 6. Let's read verses 16 and 17. If you're there, say, I got it. Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is, everybody say, the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Jump with me to Jeremiah chapter 35. And we will read the last verse of that chapter, verse number 19. Verse 19 of Jeremiah 35. The Bible says, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever, which means that his lineage or the generations after him would always have a place before the Lord. I want to talk to you just for a little bit this morning, the title, Generational Conversations. Generational Conversations. Will you lift your voices with me one more time? Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word, dear God. I'm asking you to speak clearly to our hearts. Lord, let that spirit of wisdom and revelation be loosed before us today, God. But we need your voice to echo in all of our hearts. Lord, speak clearly to us today. God, to parents, Lord, who are struggling to draw parameters for their home, Lord, I'm asking you to give a rhema word to them today. Speak to us, God. We need more than inspiration, Lord, but we need instruction from your spirit, Lord. Grant it to us this morning. Somebody say in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I do give honor to my wife and my boys today. So thankful that they're with me. Our daughter is at our home church. She was praising this morning, so she would rather be doing that than be with daddy, but it's all right. Thankful for my family. Generational conversations. If you look in the book of Judges, chapter number one, verse number 16, the Bible says, And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father in law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth in the south of Arad. And they went and dwelt among 
the people. I want you to notice here that Moses married a woman that was of a people called the Kenites. It wasn't the first time that this group of people is mentioned. If you go back into, I believe, Genesis chapter 15, way back when God called his people out, the Kenites were mentioned. But because Moses married one, that group of people was introduced to the children of Israel. And their attachment to God's people gave room for them to participate with the promises of God once they got to Canaan. First Chronicles chapter 2, verse number 55, the Bible says, And the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez, the Tirathites, the Shimeathites, and the Sukathites, Shukathites, these are the Kenites that came of Hamath, the father of the house of Rechab. Now I want you to notice these people weren't named in the lineage of Israel, but God made room for them among his people. And they were even here listed as scribes among God's people. I want to tell somebody here this morning, it doesn't matter your lineage. doesn't matter where you've come from. God always makes room for strangers among his people. It was the same among the Kenites. They, they forged their way in. As a matter of fact, most of them had their lot among the tribe of Judah. That there was a place nestled in among God's people that they were able to participate and inherit the same promises that God had given to Abraham. Can you say amen? The Kenites, if you look in 2 Kings chapter number 10, I'm going to read a few verses here to kind of give some understanding into this man named Jonadab that we read about in Jeremiah chapter 35. 2 Kings chapter 10, let's jump down to verse number 15. The Bible says, and when he was departed thence, he lighted on Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. This is the only time that I can find in Scripture that his name is referred to as Jehonadab. There's not uh, much said about him besides here and in the book of Jeremiah chapter 35. But there is a principle of consecration that's established through this man and the people that would follow after him that we need to pay attention to today. 2 Kings chapter 10 verse 15, when he was departed he lighted upon Jehonadab the son of Rechab coming to meet him. And saluted him and said to him, Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jehonadab answered, It is, if it be, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand, and he took him up to him into the chariot. Now let me give you a little bit of background about what's taking place here. Jehu has been anointed to be the king, and he is moving forward to execute the judgments of God upon Ahab and Ahab's descendants. In his zeal to destroy the descendants of Ahab, he comes to this man named Jehonadab, and as he was in his chariot, he looked down at Jehonadab and he said, Is your heart with my heart? And he said, It is. And he reached down his hand to him and pulled him up into his chariot. Verse 16, he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria. 
till he had destroyed him according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. Jump down to verse number 23. The Bible says, And Jehu went, and Jehonadad the son of Rechab, into the house of Baal, and said unto the worshipers of Baal, Search, and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshipers of Baal only. And so Jehonadab is with Jehu in this execution of God's judgment. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed fourscore men without and said, If any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and slay them. Let none come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword, and the guard and the captains cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. The only time I find in Scripture besides Jeremiah 35 where it describes this man, Jehonadab, he is participating not necessarily hands-on, but he's giving his validation of the judgment of God. He was a righteous man. Matter of fact, if you read and study about him, he, he wasn't a man that was going to put himself out there. He lived a, a very nomadic life. And I'll talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. But he was passionate about what God was passionate about. He stood for what God stood for. And he wanted to see the, the kingdom of God advance in the earth. Can you say amen? I want to tell you this morning that when somebody establishes ancient landmarks, if we will adhere to those landmarks, they bring ancient blessings. Jonadab was a man that established some landmarks for the people that would follow after him, his descendants. And Jeremiah chapter 35 talks about some of the lineage that took or came after Jonadab. But he established some parameters for the people that would follow him. And I've learned as a parent that one of the hardest things to do is establish parameters for my kids to make sure they're walking in the counsel of God. Now, I can't imagine not only being a parent, but being a pastor. Because not only as a pastor is he responsible for his family, but he's responsible for all of you that are sitting here today. But I want you to notice that in Jeremiah chapter 6, that God is trying to establish to his people. He said, I, I have tried to get you to walk in the old past and the good ways, and you would not hearken. He said, I've set watchmen over you, and you would not hearken to the voice of the watchman. But then in Jeremiah chapter 35, God uses the Rechabites, the descendants of Jonadab, to show his people in Israel that even if I've established perimeters for you to follow, that inside of those perimeters, people have obeyed my voice above the parameters I've established for you. Now let me explain that here just for a moment. Your pastor, upon the direction of the Holy Ghost, he has to establish spiritual parameters and guidelines for the local church. And it's my responsibility as the priest of my home to follow the parameters that my pastor establishes for me and for my family. But oftentimes, God will ask individuals and families within the parameters of a church 
to establish even more narrow boundaries for themselves and for their families. Now, God doesn't permit me to establish parameters outside the landmarks that the man of God in my life has established for me and for my family. But God may ask of me some things uh, to bring my focus in a little bit more clearly. And one of the most difficult things as a parent is trying to establish parameters for your family inside the parameters that the man of God in your life establishes. Because your kids see what everybody else can do. And they wonder why Vant can't participate in the same things that people in the church are participating in. And so you look at Jonadab, and Jonadab established some parameters inside the boundaries of Israel. He established perimeters that God didn't ask of him. He just knew that he was thankful to be a part of the inheritance and the blessings of God. And so this man asked his descendants, he said, I don't want you to drink any wine forever. Not only do I not want you to drink any wine, but he said, you are not to build homes and you are not to build vineyards. The reason being is because Jonadab noticed that the culture in Israel, that it was influencing the people of God. And even though those things weren't asked of, of him by God, he established some parameters that put a little bit more squeeze upon his descendants, but he did not want them to be influenced by the culture that was in the land. 300 years later, 300 years after Jonadab and Jehu went into the house of Baal and destroyed the worshipers of Baal, God used Jeremiah and Jeremiah went and found the descendants, the Rechabites, uh, and he brought them into the temple. And he set pots of wine before them. And he told the descendants of Jonadab, uh, he said, I want you to drink of the wine. 300 years. And the descendants of Jonadab said, we will not drink. Because our father asked us centuries ago to establish some perimeters in our lives. And we've done our best. We have not drank wine. We have not built houses. We have not made vineyards or grown vineyards. Because we're adhering to the parameters that our father has drawn for us. Jude and Griff, I know you're excited about this. Why don't you come up here today? <clears throat> It's my 10-year-old Jude. Everybody say, hey, Jude. Don't sing it. This is Griffin, my 9-year-old. Everybody say, hey, Griff. The hardest thing that I figured out as a parent is for my boys to have to ask the question, why? When they see that God is trying to establish some parameters inside our household that aren't necessarily asked of for the entire congregation. And when they have to look at dad and say, dad, but our cousins get to do that. And they get to go there and they get to do this. And as a 9 and 10 year old, these boys don't quite understand. But I'm doing my best to have generational conversations. I look at Jonadab and I say, how in the world... 
three centuries later, the laws and parameters you established for your family, they refuse to ignore them. They refuse to rebel against them. It's because somebody was sitting down at the table and discussing why we do the things that we do, why we don't participate in that, why we don't go here, why we don't ingest that. And so for 300 years, they followed the teachings of Jonadab. And I want to tell some parents this morning, you're struggling to find the narrow way for your family. There are some things that God's asking of you that maybe he's not asking from your pastor for the entire congregation. But when I look at Jude, I look at the things that he's passionate about. And I look at Griffin, I look at the things that he's passionate about. God's given me a responsibility to draw some parameters around their lives because I see things that they don't see and I'm doing my best to protect the anointing and the calling of God that is upon their lives. And the only way that these parameters are never going to be moved, the only way these landmarks aren't going to, matter of fact, the Bible says uh, don't remove the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Let me talk to some young people right now. Your parents have put some landmarks in your home. They want you to see that. It's an identifier. And don't ever remove a landmark because most of the time before a landmark was erected, there was an altar that was built there. And when they established that landmark, they had prayed about it first. And so don't go removing the landmarks that your fathers have placed there. Can all the young people say amen? And so I look at my boys and I look at my daughter Nova and the questions that come. And so I'm doing my best. I heard Brother Kenneth Carpenter say it one time and it's helped me. He said, with everything you tell them no about, you better find something to say yes to. I don't want to say because daddy said so, because daddy's, why can't we go there, dad? Can we please go? So-and-so is going there. They don't quite understand yet, but I see something God wants to do in them. I spent too many years laying my hands on them and prophesying over them that they were going to be the mouthpiece of God to their generation. And I don't want this culture to taint them and contaminate them. So what am I doing? I'm drawing parameters around them. I'm drawing a boundary around them, and I'm making sure they stay inside those boundaries. Why don't you lift your hands to Jesus right now and ask God to help us here this morning. You guys can be seated. See, the apostolic church in most places, we only, we only want to do what is required of the local assembly. But I want to tell you this morning, God honors deep consecration. That's why the Lord could bless the descendants of Jonadab, the Rechabites, like he did. He used a people that were more consecrated than his people to show them these men and these women and children... They listened to the voice of a man that drew perimeters of protection around them to keep them from being contaminated by the culture. 
And I've simply, I've tried to ask you to walk in these old paths. And he said, you would not walk therein. And so God used the Rechabites uh, to show his family or to show his people that he would honor deeper consecration. And so within the apostolic church, we want to establish parameters outside of what the authority in our lives uh, has established. But I'm here to tell somebody this morning and encourage you, don't be afraid to draw parameters inside of what the man of God has established for your family. I have to be able to tell my kids sometimes why. And so what I've done is I've tried to let them know what happens to consecrated people, how much God uses consecrated people. We were sitting at breakfast, lunch yesterday in St. Louis before we came back home, just me and Rebecca and the boys. And I'm trying to be more intentional about sharing things with them that would pique a hunger in their hearts. And so I said, guys, do you remember the story I told you about Brother Billy Cole? And, and so they, they're listening. And once I got started, I said, yeah, Dad, you've already told us that. But I, I'm telling them stories because I want them to know what happens when you live inside the parameters of consecration in your life. So I said, boys, you know that Billy Cole was at a crusade in Africa. And after the crusade, uh, all these people were gathered on the guardrails, and some lady had a withered hand. And, and she said, Brother Cole, Brother Cole. And as he's walking by, he said, Woman, don't call on me. Call on Jesus. And she called the name of Jesus, and when she did, her hand stretched forth, and God healed her. That's the kind of things I'm trying to impart to my kids. Uh, I want them to know what God does with consecrated people and the dimension and the depth that God can use them in. So the past few years, we started with Brother Benny DeMerchant's books, and they had translated some of his books, or, or somebody took them and made them more kid-friendly. He was a missionary to Brazil, an apostle of the Lord. And so I, I, I read two of his books to my boys at night, and they're listening, they're falling asleep, they're asking questions. And, and now we're reading Alan Was Away by, by Sister Georgine Shaw. My, I want the spirit of these missionaries to rest upon them. I've got one boy that loves basketball. I've got one boy that loves baseball, but I want them to know publicly, I don't care if you pick up another basketball, I don't care if you throw another baseball. I want the spirit of those missionaries to rest upon them. And that doesn't come by just doing the bare minimum. It comes by walking a finer line of consecration. You know who I feel sorry for? I feel sorry for Manoah and his wife because they're raising a son to live countercultural to his generation while all the kids around him are doing things that he's not allowed to do. Not even bad in the eyes of God, but they knew there was a special anointing upon Samson and he wasn't allowed to participate in the same things that other kids were allowed to participate in. The biggest fear that I have, and I use that word very lightly, is that my kids not walk in truth. I don't want to draw the parameters too close where I squeeze the life out of them, but I want the appropriate balance in my home, that consecration that allows special anointing to flow through them. I envy you, Brother Thomas. You've raised yours, and you've done an awesome job. 
I envy you, Brother Gaddy. Your kids are involved in ministry. They're walking in truth. And all of you other ones that have raised kids that are walking in truth, this is not to put a brick on anybody's shoulders whose kids aren't walking in truth, but it scares me because if I could choose to walk with any man in Scripture aside from Jesus, if I could have conversations, I would probably pick the prophet Samuel. So intrigued by his life, so intrigued by his ministry, but what messes me up is whenever Samuel transferred everything to his sons. And the Bible says his sons walked not in his ways, but they took bribes and they were given to filthy lucre. A prophet of God in the Old Testament, something happened where his sons didn't get the same spirit of ministry and not here to throw stones at Samuel or anybody whose kids aren't living for God. Here's what I've learned with a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old. I simply have to trust the grace of God and what I feel and what God has asked of me, the landmarks to establish, the boundaries to draw in my home, I have to trust the grace of God that something's going to get inside of my kids. And let me tell somebody here today that you did everything right. You had your kids in church every week. You had them at prayer meeting. You were making them kneel in prayer at Saturday night prayer meeting. You did everything that you knew to do, and your kids aren't living for God today. I want to encourage you. You need to trust the grace of God. I believe, I believe there's a great harvest, a wave of backsliders that are coming in. Be encouraged. You did things right. You, why don't we lift our hands right now? Let's pray for every backslidden child right now. Lord Jesus, you see individuals, Lord who sowed the right seeds, God. They watered those seeds. Uh, they watched those things grow in the lives of their children, Lord. Uh, but for whatever reason, God, they're not walking in truth now. I'm praying, God, there to be a restoration, Jesus, uh, of children that have walked away, God. Uh, let a parent feel faith right now, Jesus. Uh, let a couple feel faith right now, dear God, uh, that they shall return unto their borders, Jesus. Uh, they shall return unto their borders, in the name of Jesus, we trust your grace, God. We trust your grace, Jesus. This morning, I was, I was absolutely broken. Whatever reason God was bringing to my mind, and I'm not going to name names, but I'm talking about pioneers of Pentecost. I mean, apostles and prophets who gave themselves their entire lives to kingdom expansion. And just the generation after them chose not to walk in the same spirit of ministry that their parents were walking in or had walked in. And I was broken thinking about apostles that have spent their lives overseas. And it stirs me. It does something to me. But I was having a conversation years ago with a preacher, a minister. And this man of God, his children were backslid. And he said he was ministering in another district. And he was 
unloading his burden upon uh, the district superintendent of that district. And the district superintendent had kids who weren't living for God. And that district superintendent said, there was one day that I was grieving in my basement. I was asking God how I've raised them right. I've sowed this seed into them, God. And, all. and he said, the Lord slipped up behind me in my basement and put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, I put two of my own in a perfect environment in Eden. And they didn't obey everything I asked of them either. What makes you think your kids might not walk away? I want to encourage somebody here today. Your kids may not be living the way you raised them, but I choose to believe God. And God is a God of restoration. Can you say amen? Can you put up Jeremiah chapter 16 again? I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 6. Several weeks ago, let's go to Jeremiah 6 and, is that 14, 15, 16, Jeremiah 6 and 16, thank you. <clears throat> Several weeks ago, during the week of camp meeting, I was... Well, that afternoon, one afternoon during that week, I was sitting on the edge of my daughter's bed, just meditating and praying before we left to go to camp meeting. And this scripture came to, to my spirit, and I was thinking about this service today. And all this stuff culminated, and I've been, been wrestling, just been wrestling about my kids and wanting this to get in them so desperately. And this scripture came to my spirit, and I read for a text. It says, Thus saith the Lord, stand. Everybody say, stand. Stand ye in the ways. And what I felt that afternoon in prayer was that we're at a crossroads individually and collectively. And you read this prophecy of Jeremiah, what he's conveying, the Lord is saying. He said, I've tried throughout these generations. I've sent prophets. I've sent men of God to try to get my people to follow this old path. And I feel so many of us are at a crossroads. I feel like the district of Arkansas is at a crossroads. The Lord says, stand ye in the ways. And there's an analogy given here. All of us are on a spiritual journey. And there's a man that's on a journey here, and the Lord is telling him to stop what he's doing. Stand right where you are, and I want you to evaluate where you are. He said, see. So stand, and then you have to see. He said, once you observe and you evaluate where you are, don't, don't just observe the options in front of you because you are at a crossroads. He said, but once you see, you've got to start asking the right questions. You've got to start asking the right questions to the right people. He said, ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? But It's not just good enough to ask the right questions, to identify where you are, and even to identify the old paths, wherein is the good way. But he said, once somebody points that out to you, he said, you've got to walk therein. 
You've got to put one foot in front of the other, and you've got to walk the old paths. The past several weeks, God's been dealing with me about the history of our district when it comes to apostolic ministry. Now, you probably know way more than I know about this stuff. But just through the years and reading and research and hearing conversations, there have been many men or women that operate in the fivefold ministry, decades and decades and decades of history that have walked the streets in the communities of the state of Arkansas. I begin to think of all the people that I just personally have read about or known about. And then I heard this past week with a Mangan, I had no idea that G.A. Mangan, one of his first breakthrough revivals, some of you may not know who G.A. Mangan was, he's an apostle of the Lord. One of his first breakthrough revivals was in Luann, Arkansas, which is South Central Arkansas. Great breakthrough, a man that was walking these old paths. He established some spiritual landmarks in our district, but it wasn't, it wasn't just G.A. Mangan. There are men like Howard Goss, who was an apostle of God, who established territory in the state of Arkansas. There are men like C.P. Kilgore, whose ministry started in the district and in the state of Arkansas. These men who walked in the spirit, who established territory, they established some old spiritual paths in this great district. And I believe for myself, God's saying, I want you to pause where you are. I want you to stand at this crossroad, and I want you to observe your ministry, observe the direction you're headed, and you need to make sure you're asking the right questions to the right people, because there is an old path that you can walk, but it's been walked before, and that path is littered with consecration. There are landmarks of apostolic doctrine that line that path, but if those apostles that walk this state, if they walk in that old path that's what I want to walk in if you if you go to Pendle Arkansas anybody know where Pendle Arkansas is well I didn't until a few years ago it's a small small town small not even a town small little community there was an old prophet that used to live in Pendle his name was Tom Barnes matter of fact there's a man that lives there now And he said, he can take you to the field. And there was an area in that field where Tom Barnes used to go and spend hours and hours in prayer for days and for weeks and for months while he lived in Pendle. What was he doing? He was establishing some spiritual landmarks in this state. I want to tell you today that there are some things that have been established in the district of Arkansas some old paths that men have walked down. And I want to make sure that for me and for my family that I'm drawing the appropriate boundaries that will permit me to walk in the confines of that old path. I want you to notice what the Lord said through Jeremiah. Ask for the old paths, walk therein, and you shall find rest. You want to know why a lot of people are so restless? It's because they're not walking in the old path. You want to know why so many people are dealing with this overwhelming darkness of anxiety? It's because they're not walking in the old path. What does the old path look like? It's not fun. It's sacrifice. It's prayer. 
It's fasting. It's giving as your pastor talked about. But the rewards and dividends of the old path should be what we desire to walk in. Can you say amen? And so what I'm trying to do as a dad, I told my wife on the way here this morning, I want to do the will of God with a gaddy, but I would rather not have a ministry, not have a microphone, not be in a pulpit, and have my kids live for God and love God and walk the old path. If I could be sure that my kids were going to walk in this apostolic way, I would give up everything that I'm doing to allow them to do what I'm doing. That's how desperately I want to make sure they're walking. So that's not much to give up. It's not. It's not much to give up. But as a dad, I'm standing and I'm looking and I'm asking the right questions to the right people as I want my kids to walk in the old path. Won't you stand with me right now? As you stand, can you lift your hands and you lift your voices right now? That's it. Let your voice out here for a moment. Mashende ki esele ki esele ele basharababadebeke. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Memderi esule de de rende sepeturabaha. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Several weeks ago, I heard the Mark Morgan. He was talking about spiritual portals. And he said, anywhere that an altar is built, a spiritual portal is open. He said, whether it's to God or some demonic force, he said, when there is sacrifice made, an altar erected, he said, there is a spiritual portal that is open. He said, that's why, he said, Jacob came back around years later. He laid his head down to rest, and he saw angels ascending and descending, and that was a place where his grandfather Abraham had erected an altar to the Lord. I want to tell you this morning, there's been some old altars that were built here in the state of Arkansas and there's some things that are opened up to this district. And I believe God's calling us to step in that channel of ministry. God's calling New Life Cabot to step in that channel of ministry. 
I want to access everything that those elders accessed. I don't want to leave anything on the table. The price they paid, the altars that they built, I want that portal to open up for me. I want it to open up for my family. I want to access everything that was opened up in this state. Can you lift your voice right now and ask God to help you? I don't want to leave anything on the table, Jesus. God, I don't want to do the bare minimum, Lord. I want to walk the boundaries of consecration, Jesus. I want to access the portals, God, that were opened by these apostles and prophets in this state. Shene banda rebesito rebebendeki. Shena la babayendo sataye de bebebeke. De la mama yala basata raye de debokusende. Come on, God, let us get in the channel of what you're doing. I want to get in that flow over the havens was talking about Jesus. I want to access that portal of ministry, God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, evaluate where you are this morning. Evaluate where your household is this morning. Stand, stand in the ways and see. Look around you, the opportunity to walk in the deep things of God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's some things that we can access here today. There's some things the Spirit of the Lord is trying to open up in the state of Arkansas. Some old portals that were opened up almost a century ago for some. There's some old paths that were beaten by some apostles. They were tread down by some prophets in this district. I want to access those old channels of ministry. Come on, I can hear the voices of those elders echoing today. Talking about generational conversations. If you could hear them, if you could hear their heartbeat. They were sojourners. They were sojourners like the Rechabites. They weren't trying to establish a home. They weren't trying to get too comfortable. 
They were focused on the kingdom. They were focused on consecration. In the name of Jesus.